1: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a market market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to America. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. It is brutal out there. If you take away everything we want to buy, then you're going to take away the bull. And that's exactly what happened today. There simply weren't enough sectors worth buying, and it led to a tsunami tsunami of selling with the Dow plunging 724 points. S&P plummeting 2.52%. NASDAQ nosediving 2.43%. What do I mean when I say that they're taking away everything we want to buy? First, let's start with tariffs. The president is slapping tariffs on a huge number of Chinese goods in order to combat their unfair trade practices, including rampant intellectual property theft. The tariffs could be 50 billion, could be 60 billion. Either way, you have to understand that any company with substantial business in China is shaking right now, quaking particularly because we don't know what the tariffs will be on or how quickly the Chinese will strike back, although they're saying tonight they're going to strike back quickly. Now, President Trump has been pretty consistent on this issue. He said that he'd go after China if they didn't show some sign of pulling back with their steel and aluminum dumping or their targeting of our tech companies. I don't know why so many people thought he wasn't serious. Maybe they hoped the president's advisors would talk him out of it. Maybe they figured he'd ease up after choosing Larry Kudlow, the ultimate proponent of free trade, as his chief economic advisor. I spent four years working with Larry, on Kudlow and Kramer, and I told you repeatedly that he likely only got the job after agreeing with the president beforehand on China something that chives with my understanding of Trump, having worked with him Emily Apprentice for years. In all honesty, if you're a major believer in free trade, like most investors, you should have breathed a sigh of relief when we saw the tariffs today. Why? Because we're only targeting China, not the rest of the world. For me, it was more of a positive than a negative. I knew the president was going to hit China. But in the back of my mind, I was worried that he might hit Germany, too. But the problem is, we don't know where the Chinese are going to hit back. Will they slap 100% surcharge on every Starbucks latte? Triple Vente skim? Wet? Will that now cost like 15 bucks? Will they impose huge tariffs on Caterpillar tractors and engines? It sure look like they will from Caterpillar stock today. Or same thing with Cummins. Will the nice quarter Nike reported this evening be its last? given that China might put duties on its shoes in retaliation to Trump's tariffs. I doubt they'll go after Boeing because they desperately need more airplanes. But maybe they just go that far to send us a message. Perhaps they'll target General Motors. Last year, GM sold more than 4 million vehicles in China. Do you know that's a 33% increase above what they sell here? How about Otis Elevators from United Technologies? Ooh, China's their largest. Ah! I could go on and on. I don't know a single major industrial that doesn't have a huge Chinese business. Like it or not, the PRC is one of the main engines of global growth. So it makes sense that these companies are afraid. Tariffs are a tit-for-tat game. Second, the main reason we got so bulled up going into 2018 was that the rest of the world was having a synchronized economic expansion. And we have our own tax reform. But this morning... We got some pretty weak industrial production numbers out of Europe on top of some weaker figures out of Japan. Nearly every European bourse got hit hard today, just like ours. In fact, we probably would have been slammed anyway just on Europe alone. The stocks of the European banks, they've been getting crushed. That is a terrible sign, people. We got over that years ago with Tim when he was Treasury Secretary. They're now just coming home to roost there. Yesterday, we gave up on Europe for my chapel trust, telling club members of ActionLarangePlus.com that we didn't want any exposure because things had gotten too tepid over there. Consider this. Yesterday, I posited the CNBC banking expert and my co-anchor at the time, Will Frost, that perhaps Banco Santander was the strongest bank in Europe. You know what? He didn't bat an eyelash. He said, I could be right. But Banco Santander used to be a joke. Given all the other European banks that we tend to think of as stronger, the idea that Santander is doing best really does say something, doesn't it? Third, without that synchronized global growth, but with a Fed rate hike yesterday, there are plenty of people wondering if the U.S. economy is going to slow down regardless of the new Fed chair's optimism. Rates plummeted today just when you'd expect them to go higher, right? Plus, Jerome Powell's positive tone certainly made you think that things could be okay with interest rates. Maybe they would have to go higher. You know, things are better. But when longer-term interest rates go down... The bank stocks get hammered. And that's what happened today. This group took it on the chin. A lot of people were in this group going for the rate hike. And you know what? They got the stuffings kicked out of them. How about tech, which counts for 26% of the S&P 500? Frankly, it couldn't have be been worse. The Chinese are huge buyers of our tech, and it's not just Apple. Many of our tech companies have been selling into the PRC four years, and China's not like the U.S. Their system has few checks and balances. If President Xi wants to outright ban the sale of iPhones, he can do it. Although I think that's far-fetched. Hence, though, why Apple stock has continued to decline. Every tech company in the world, including ours, covets China, the market. So the fears of number cuts are way too palpable for anyone to step up to the plate and buy today. You know what? We could get some downgrades just based on what happened. Now, it gets worse. While I like the apology that Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg offered to the New York Times and CNN yesterday, and the apologies offered, Facebook, uh, offered by Facebook's Sheryl Sandberg on our own network this very evening, Without appointing a special outside investigator to look into this, no one is going to believe this data handling problem is behind them. They need to hire an outside lawyer with a great reputation to do an examination and create some rules ASAP. But there's something else at play here. People are becoming disenchanted with tech, particularly something they loved until recently. They're becoming disenchanted with artificial intelligence. What Facebook did was basically allow bad guys to data mine and make judgments about people using artificial intelligence. You know what else uses AI? Self-driving cars. Countless tech companies are trying to get a piece of the autonomous driving market. It's a huge opportunity. But the roadside fatality we got earlier this week has slammed the brakes on the whole industry. There's going to be a lot of misquarters here because of that accident. Should there be? Not my judge. Will there be? I think it's gonna to be tough. At the same time, when you listen to people gripe people gripe about Facebook, a lot of that backlash has to do with big data and artificial intelligence. People don't want their information given out to companies who can then mine it in order to do a better job of advertising or exploiting you. Yesterday, Mark Zuckerberg said maybe the government should regulate the company like it does other media organizations. The simplest way to regulate would be to say that nothing from Facebook can be sold to anyone. No information. Maybe then Amazon should be similarly regulated and their artificial intelligence banned so the company can't can't prompt you to buy something that's similar to your past purchases. Again, I think that's very unlikely. But when you have Facebook saying, please regulate me, I mean, people start to worry about these things. Now, you'd think we could hide in the stocks of uniquely domestic companies right after the tax reform. And you'd be right, except that this morning, Darden, the owner of Olive Garden, reported a weaker than expected number and changed up its menu in a way that suggested that perhaps business will be a little more weak short term. The stock dropped almost 8 percent, and that kicked the restaurants in the shins. How about the consumer packaged goods stocks? They're still reeling from that terrible number we got from General Mills yesterday, where inflation soared while sales barely held steady. It was a nasty quarter with repercussions for the whole industry because Mills blamed freight and commodity inflation, something that all these companies should have in common. The fact that ConAgra reported an excellent number with inflation well under control did not stop the slide. Then there were just random hits. Oil dropped big, taking down the whole oil patch. White House sounded more loose, wanted steel and aluminum tariffs, so the steels and the aluminums, they got poleaxed. The drugs, the best one in the group had been AbbVie. But the company had a real setback with a clinical trial for the lung cancer drug, and the stock lost about 13% of its value. 13%. It led the whole group down. The bottom line, in the end, if you give us nothing to buy, we will sell. The controversies are finally coming home to roost, and the share and the sellers. Well, let's just say they're coming right along with them, and that's how you get a hideous day like today. Kevin in Georgia, Kevin. Hey, Jim
0: Booya. How are you?
1: I am doing fine. Wish the market were better. How about you?
0: Good, good, good. Uh, I'm calling about DPS, uh, Dr Pepper Snapple, and their corporate merger with Keurig last right. month. Um. I got a, a a pretty good 40% return right now on the sell. Um, it peaked at almost 60%, and now it's falling. And I'm wondering if I should hold or sell now. Well, here's the so problem. A there's
1: a special dividend involved. And it's confusing people, and it's going to keep people out of the stock until after. So, if you wanted to, you could sell it and buy it back, and I would bless that, okay? I, I know that's a little exotic. I don't want to go into the exotic nature of it, but that was, is a decent idea. Let's go to Brian in North Carolina. Brian! yeah, Jim. Thanks
0: for taking my call. How's of course. Well, uh, first, congrats on the the Eagles. You got to watch out for the Carolina
1: Panthers. It's going to be their year next year. I'm telling you, Jim. Well, all right, I'll deal with that when I get to it. Frankly,
0: <laughs> well, I wanted to get your thoughts on this Chinese company that's been tanking lately. It had two double-digit percentage decreases on consecutive days last week. I'm talking about Bit Auto, uh, B I T A, and I'm concerned given that there's tariffs and they market for automobile companies in China. And I'm curious what your thoughts on the tariff impact will have uh, on bid auto. Tell you, and- I, I'm or- not a
1: fan oh. here. I think that there's other places to be involved. I have only liked Baidu uh, and Alibaba and Tencent, but you can't trade that here. Uh, and uh, I like Balzon a little too. But not a bit auto, and I'm going to say, uh, no, I do not, it's not worth the risk. Okay, on Mad Money Tonight, with stocks selling off on trade war fears, I'm getting real what Trump's America First trade policy could mean for this market. Then with the Dow down over 700 points, I know you got questions. I'm opening up the phone lines to hear from you in tonight's sell-off strategy session. And we're doing a head-to-head looking at two giants. Home Depot lows Very tough day. Dow dropping over 700 points. One fears of a looming trade war. So why are people so terrified by these tariffs in China? Now, I'm not one of those people who thinks protectionism is a dirty word. But there's a reason why protectionism causes so many investors to sell their stocks. At the end of the day, our economy and our market are, are sort of hostage to the whims of the super rich in the country. Make them feel good, they invest more of their money, create uh, more jobs, uh, generate more growth. Make them feel bad, and they put their money somewhere else. Fewer jobs, less growth. That's how capitalism works. Look, you don't have to like it, but you have to recognize that what I just said is true. The thing about tariffs is that the wealthiest people in the country have done incredibly well by free trade. Having a president out there opening doors for more more trade, trying to get more deals done, that had become the American way. And it's been working in terms of percentage of trade deficit, as we heard yesterday from FedEx, as as part of the GDP in the last 10 years. Uh, Look, in the past, our presidents and our business leaders believed it was their duty to spread free markets and free trade all over the globe. President Trump does not share that orthodoxy, and it's starting to dawn on the business community that the free ride may be over. The thing is, everything Trump did before he started to tackle trade tax cuts, deregulation, uh, that was designed to make business leaders feel better. Designed actually to send the stock market up. The combination of corporate tax cuts and repatriation were a huge boost to all the bottom lines of companies, not just the domestic ones. And you could sense how much confidence there was when Congress passed the tax bill. And then, and then, Trump announced the tariffs. Tariffs make the business community, the wealthy, the elites feel worse. Some of these companies like FedEx and Starbucks and Apple who benefit so much from this open-door policy could actually be hurt and hurt severely. But perhaps more importantly, Most people who run businesses in America believe in free trade with almost a religious level of fervor. They think tariffs are economic suicide. And when the vast majority of CEOs believe things are going to get worse, their own negativity will create a self-fulfilling prophecy. Now, I think they happen to be wrong. Laissez-faire free trade is not necessarily the best policy for our nation. Not when our trading partners refuse to play fair themselves. But there's A cost is standing up to the Chinese, and you're starting to feel it. No other market is 1.3 billion people like China. Every year, tens of millions of them become wealthy enough to buy an iPhone or travel on Boeing planes or wear expensive American makeup. Sure, the Chinese may steal our trade secrets. Yes, they take our manufacturing jobs. But boy, oh boy, do our companies make money there. Starbucks is used in China. FedEx is the shipping company of choice for their exports. Some execs think that forced JVs, intellectual property theft, targeting or manufacturing, that's simply the cost of doing business with China. The idea of a $1 tariff on Starbucks coffee, something he asked CEO Kevin Johnson about, seemed fanciful 18 months ago. Now it seems plausible. FedEx uh, planes may be made to sit on the tarmac while Chinese shippers roll on. Who would know the difference, but they could do it. It's suddenly within the realm, and it doesn't even need to be announced. That's why Fred Smith from FedEx thinks it's so dumb to impose powers on China, because from his perspective, it's really bad for business, or at least bad for his business. He's the CEO. Again, that's right that he cares. He has a fiduciary care. He must care. Or to put it another way, for decades, Washington has been pro-free trade. Universities are pro-free trade. Wall Street is pro-free trade. Everybody who's anybody believes that for America to succeed, we need to let other countries have the run of the manufacturing joint, giving us cheaper stuff. And in return, we can sell them lots of our product. But now we have a president who's saying that's not how we operate anymore. And what happens? Of course, the stock market gets crushed because nearly everyone with money in this country thinks this policy is lunacy. So they're freaking out and turning seller. At the same time, there are a lot of working people in the Rust Belt who might benefit from these policies, but they don't have the cash to take the other side of the trade. So the market falls. And that's what today's breakdown was about. As long as the 1%, believes in free trade at any cost, it's going to weigh on the stock market when the president goes in the opposite direction. That's why I've been warning you for months about this, even as I actually agree with Trump on the merits when it comes to our rapacious so-called partners in alleged free trade. All right, much more made money ahead, including my sell off strategy session. I'm opening the phone lines to hear you, Kramerica. Let me help you navigate the markets unknowns. Then, after today, a lot of people will be looking to rebuild their portfolios, so I'm taking a hard look at Home Improvement Titans, Home Depot, Lowe's to see which can help. And who said this isn't the most interactive show on television? After my piece on real estate investment trusts a few weeks ago, I'm sitting down with the CEO of Washington Prime Group to hear the other side of the story. So stick with Kramer. Feel like, I feel like we have going we have a lot of these lately. Days that start rocky and then take a vicious turn in the afternoon. And the bottom seems to fall out as we get to the close. These can be gut-wrenching days. Believe me, I've lived through too many. And while no one wants to lose money, I am urging a longer-term perspective. Facebook, Trump, tariffs, pick your poison. The bulls took fire from all sides today. But we know that nobody made a dime by panicking. And I'm here to help to coach and explain to you. So tonight we open the phone lines for our sell-off strategy session. Let's take some calls from Cramerica. Let's start with Larry
0: in Massachusetts. Larry. Thanks for the fireside chats, Jim. No problem. Statesman-like perspective all day and action alerts as well as on camera as usual. Thank you. With the behavior of this market and the catalysts that are driving it, volume accelerating for the last 15 minutes, and a torrent of program trades in the last minute. Can you set out a few strategies as to how to be greedy when others are fearful, but right. not to try to catch a falling knife. All right, so you
1: know from Action Alerts Plus, we told club members yesterday we did a huge amount of selling. Nobody really wanted us to sell, but I wanted to get ahead of what I thought would be a big sell-off. So now what you have to do is you have to keep your powder dry and wait for the sell-offs and begin to do some buying. We will find out more about the tariffs. When we do, Larry will be able to take advantage of it and buy the stocks that have come down too much. That's how we're doing it. We've raised the cash already. I told people to sell, even if it meant that they sell some good stocks, so that we get to this moment and we can do some buy. Dave in Delaware. Dave. Hey, Jim Kramer, Booyah. Booyah. First time caller. Enjoy your show. Also want to let you know we're huge fans of the Eagles down here in Delaware. Well, there you My go. Question... Absolutely. Many. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a lot. My question is uh, Thor Industries, T H O. I was very impressed with the company during the first interview you had with the CEO a few months ago. At the time, though it had been on a good run, I thought the metrics were still excellent and decided to take a small position. My confusion is that the stocks dropped over 25% since the peak in late January. And other than the aluminum chest, I haven't seen many reasons for it dropping like that. Should I be concerned, buy, hold, cut my losses? Okay, Dave, here's the problem. All right. Uh, Bob Martin was on. And in his deck, which is the fancy word for a bunch of pages associated with the quarter, he did say that labor costs had gone up, okay? Labor costs going up is something that we don't want to see, but it just happens to be the case. Now, interest rates are going up. People think that people do not buy as many recreational vehicles when rates go up. So the answer, Dave, is that I expect this stock to go down before it goes higher. So now it's up to you if you can handle that volatility. How about Chris in Texas? Chris. Hey, Booyah, Jim. Thanks for having me on. Quite welcome. Hey, just before I ask my question, just
0: wanted to let you know that Nelson Aguilar dunked on my brother back in the high school basketball game back in the day. So fly equals fly, baby.
1: Nelson looked real good in the second. He looked good all year. He's got his confidence going. How can we help?
0: Hey, man, he won me over $1,000 in fantasy football, so I'll take it. But, uh, hey, my question is, it seems like the bio industry and speculative stocks are less affected by what's going on in the market compared to traditional blue chips. Do you think now's a good time to get into these types of stocks like Bob Duggins is with AKAO and AUPH? Well, believe it or not, but
1: I like to buy into these, this is a slowdown. Induce. this is a sell-off based on a slowdown. Slowdown from technology, slowdown from a belief that uh, tariffs are going to hurt the economy, And what you do when you have a slowdown is you go for the highest growth stocks. So when things settle down, it's going to be the FANG names that are going to start doing better fast. And in the interim, because you don't want to be involved in the trade war, some of the domestics will do well. But today, Darden brought those down, Olive Garden. They made it so the group seemed untenable. So retail, domestic and FANG are what's going to work. Let's go to Curtis in North Carolina. Curtis. Hello, Jim. Thanks for taking the call today, man. I hope you guys are faring well with the weather up there. Ah, it could be better. How about you? What's going on? Listen, man, Jim, uh, being down around 7.5% off recent
0: S&P highs as a long investor, I sold some Facebook today, still maintaining a position, then moved that money into the total market index, and a mid-cap fund also opened up a position in Wendy's as it was holding up really well in such a choppy market. Your thoughts would be appreciated
1: on those moves. Okay, so let me ask you point blank. Uh, What is your time frame before I suggest uh, uh, buying some stocks? When do you need this money? Uh, I'm looking at four or five years out. All right. Four or five years out, then you're going to have to be a buyer tomorrow, not a seller. They're throwing a sale. It is involving not knowing as much about the tariffs as we like. The market's gotten very oversold. A four or five year perspective, you got to buy the best growth stocks and the best domestics that don't have trade wars. And you're going to have to put money to work. As we told people from Action Alerts Plus, the Chapel trust, I'm not saying we're going to hold our nose and buy. We're going to keep our eyes open and look for what to buy. Jerry in Texas. Jerry. Hey, Jim, how are you today? Well, Jerry, you know, when people lose money, I can't be happy. But otherwise, thank you for asking. How about you? (laughs) I know the feeling.
0: Yeah. I feel the same way. Jim, I'm calling about Dominion Energy Midstream Partners, symbol DM. I bought it a couple of weeks ago, and it's 52-week low, about 25. Since then, it's dropped to 1650 today. Do I buy more here? Hold, drop, run. Okay. Take a the, meeting? the problem
1: here is, is that uh, this was I was downgraded to neutral today by by gold, by I'm sorry by Bank of America, and that was because of worries about this tar- this this FERC tax ruling. Now I have to tell you, this group is the kiss of death. Uh, we are one for Action Alerts. I'm trying to trade it to bring it back. I, I, you know, if you subscribe to the club, you'll know how painstaking I've been about trying to stay away from the oil patch. So I think that what you have to do is you have to bide your time on this. Don't sell it. It can bounce back, but don't put any more capital in it. How about Corey in Illinois? Corey. Hey, Kramer. How are you? All right. How about you? Good. Hey, today, Micron beat earnings, and yet the stock still closed down and is trending down after hours. Could it be related to the new proposed Chinese tariffs? It could be, but also they reported a number. They pre-announced a good number, and then they announced a number that was really, really good, but it wasn't good enough compared to the pre-announcement. It is discouraging to me that people would sell on this, given the fact that Micron's doing so well. But that's not up to me to determine. I think if the Dropbox deal gets very, very hot and open-ups big, then I think people are going to start actually asking questions about maybe that Micron number wasn't so bad, because honest to God, it wasn't. Much more mad money at, including can home people and most build on the performance, even in a tough market. I'm going to tell you which company has a stronger foundation, because you know I like domestic retail here, because there's no trade war component. Then a mall player with over 50 million square feet of retail, real estate. But is Amazon shipping them out? Is they driving all their shoppers away, frankly? Or could a more confident U.S. consumer boost the business of Washington Prime Group? And all your calls rapid fire tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stick with Kramer.
0: Tomorrow, kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street.
1: Live from Post Nine at the NYSE. We like social media, we like posting pictures of ourselves, we like branding ourselves on Instagram. All right? There I don't want the Russians to get my info but I ain't going to vote for whoever they tell me to vote for anyway.
0: It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern. In a
1: very challenging environment for retail the home improvement chains have stood out as a bastion of outperformance or they had until a few weeks ago. In the last five years, Home Depot's up 152%. Lowe's has gained 126%. S&P up, I'd say, about 70%. In recent years, Home Depot had pulled ahead of Lowe's, though, in a major way. And while it's always been the superior operator, I think it's worth asking why. After all, both stocks have been slammed here. I mean, Home Depot's off 7.5% for the year. Lowe's is off 7.8%. And unlike so many other names, they, they haven't bounced nearly at all. At these levels, it pays to wonder which one is a better buy, because when the smoke clears, I think people are going to return to domestic retailers that don't have trade problems. So tonight, thinking about those trade issues, I want to stack these two chains against you so there's an exercise in stop picking for when things get better, because it doesn't get more apples to apples than Home Depot versus Lowe's. Why do I prefer the despot? Some of it is subjective, but a lot of the the difference here is totally empirical and therefore objective. For starters, Home Depot has much better numbers. For the better part of the last decade, the Depot has had superior same-store sales. For example, last year, Home Depot's same-store sales increased by 5.6%, while Lowe's only saw its numbers rise by 4.2%. And if anything, the disparity is expected to get worse and wider this year. In terms of pure revenue growth, the two companies have historically been a bit closer. But last year, Lowe's got a a boost from its acquisition of Rona, the Canadian home improvement chain it bought back in mid-2016. This year, though, the despot should grow its sales at 6.7% uh, versus 5.5 for lows. Hey, remember, 5.5 is not bad either, so this isn't like one's great and one's a goofus. As for the earnings, last year, Home Depot grew its earnings per share at 16% clip, Lowe's 11%. And while the numbers are expected to converge this year in the mid-20s, I expect Home Depot will eke out another win. Now, this is not how things used to be. Way back in the day, from the late 90s till the financial crisis, Lowe's actually tended to be the better operator. Had I been doing the show then, you would have heard me come out and say buy Lowe's. But then for the first half of this decade, it was kind of a close race, with Home Depot gradually pulling ahead. It's kind of a real horse race between these two. Lately, though, Home Depot has generated strong numbers, and that translates into better performance for the stock. Consider that in the last two years, Home Depot has gone for 130 to 175 Low stock has only advanced from 75 to 86. And now you're talking a huge disparity, bigger than I've seen in ages. What explains Home Depot's recent dominance, aside from the fact that it's a retailer with a superior attitude and a superior state of mind, like the increasingly problematic Steven Seagal in that seminal masterpiece, Hard to Kill? I have a couple of theories here. First, Maybe, just maybe, the key to Home Depot success is that it's got better technology than Lowe's. We know these guys have made significant investments in tech, particularly customer relations management software. Back in 2010, they started giving smartphones specifically designed for their stores to sales associates as multi purpose tools for communication, inventory management, product lookup, business analytics, and checking out customers. Even in 2015, Mark Benioff, the CEO of Salesforce.com, was talking on this show multiple times about how they'd work with Home Depot to set up a new model of customer service. Salesforce is the best in in the business when it comes to using software to manage your customer relations. Home Depot really learned and leaned into the cloud both for connecting with customers and for coordinating its employees. They were way ahead of the curve here. In fact, a little less than a year ago, Home Depot rolled out its first app using Salesforce's technology, an in-home selling planning tool designed to help mobile sales teams schedule appointments and provide customers with detailed quotes so they could close deals as soon as possible. It was great. The general purpose Home Depot app is extremely well-designed. They were doing buy online, pick up in the store before BOPUS was ever even an acronym. They have a store locator feature, which is something every big jo- uh, box chain should give people. The whole setup is optimized for the customer, especially the big. Ticket professional contractors and that by the way is where the real money is and home Depot excels at it now credit where it's due lowe's has been investing heavily in new technologies too but they're kind of behind the curve frankly they just started shifting their software to the cloud back in September long after Home Depot and while the company has, has some very good apps of its own it actually landed the top spot on fast company's recent list of most innovative companies in augmented reality it seems clear to me that they were still lagging when it comes to technology that's designed to improve the shopping experience and snare those companies Contractors, Do not get me wrong. Lowe's obviously recognizes that there's a lot of catching up to do on the tech front, and they've gotten aggressive about it. But it still seems to me that Home Depot has more of a focus on its bigger ticket customers and winning them over. <laughs> well, all that, I have to tell you, winning them over is everything. Plus, anecdotally, somehow Home Depot stores seem better run. I said anecdotal, with shorter lines and better gardening supplies. And I have a pretty large sample size to attest from. But it is all a question of technology? I don't know. I got another theory too. This one's a little more straightforward. Perhaps Lowe's overextended itself with the acquisition of Rona, that Canadian home improvement chain in May of 2016. They gobbled up hundreds of stores with this deal. It's taken the company some time to get those Rona locations operating at the same level as the rest of the business. Integrating a big acquisition can be pretty distracting. Canada can be distracting. Remember how bad it was for Target? That said, Lowe's has actually done a pretty good job with Rona, so this headwind could soon prove to be a tailwind, something to watch. Now, I bring all of this up because both Home Depot and Lowe's have seen their stocks get slammed in recent weeks. Lowe's stock is down 21% from its late January all-time high. Home Depot stock's down about 16%. That's very deep for retail. And unlike many other areas of the market, they haven't really bounced back yet because of fears of higher interest rates, something that's always been more of a hindrance to their stocks than to the rest of retail. And of course, I want to distinguish. It's been a hindrance more to Home Depot and Lowe's stock than the actual companies. At these levels, Lowe's is a lot cheaper, trading at 14 times next year's earnings estimates versus 17 times uh, for Home Depot. But you know what? Right now, the discount is deserved based on the numbers. Home Depot is a tuned machine. Lowe's is a little more risky, hence why it's cheaper. Bottom line, with Lowe's and Home Depot down big from their highs, I think the latter is a better buy than the former perhaps because of its technology or because Lowe's may have been distracted by its relatively recent acquisition of Rona. Either way, Home Depot is the better numbers. And while I think both stocks will work here after this clobbering, HD is the one I like most. When the market settles down, this domestic retailer with no trade exposure will be the one to buy. I need to go to Frank in New York. Frank! This is Frank from Pelham. Yeah, Frank, you're up. It's Jim. Okay, Jim. I I bought USG after the hurricanes in Houston and Miami and and Puerto Rico, uh, thinking, man, they're going to need sheetrock coming out of their eyeballs, plus through home sales, and the stock is raised there at 33. It should be going through the roof. What's your take? Interest rates. I mean, people just take a whole cohort of companies, and they don't even look how the fundamentals are. They just say USG is sensitive to interest rates, and so therefore it's going to go lower as rates go higher. I got to tell you, Frank, this is the guilty till proven innocence thesis that has been with us since I started buying stocks in 1979. Jack in Massachusetts, Jack. Yeah, big booyah from Massachusetts, Jim. Love right, your Jim. show. Thank uh, you. Thanks for taking my call. My question is for Illinois Toolworks. I purchased a stock a while back, recently took some profits. It's dropped significantly since. I was wondering what your opinions were with all the volatility in this industry. You've been reading my mind, my friend. I've been going over with Jeff and Zeb, my team for Action Alerts. We're trying to figure out what to tell club members. we got a small position left. It's been a huge win. I am not going to fight anyone from taking a profit in ITW. We hang on to some because when the smoke clears on this one, it could go much higher. But you know what? I understand, and this market is tough. And if you wanted to sell it, sell, sell, sell. Be my guest, When two stocks in the same group have disparity in their action, it's worth examining why. Both Lowe's and Home Depot are good stocks, but I do like Home Depot better. Tough day. We will get it through this one together. Lightning round is next. Stick with Kramer. It is time. Some of the lightning Round. And the lighting round is over. Are you ready? Skate that. It's over the light round. Let's start with Mike in Michigan. Mike. Hey, Jim. Great big booyah from the Motor City. Good. About eight months ago, you had the CEO of American Electrical Power on, and I bought some at 70. It's been as high as 77 and as low as 62. I was wondering, buy, sell, or hold. Uh, Look, it yields uh, under 4 now. I would buy more if it went above 4, which, of course, does mean, therefore, that the stock is going lower. Uh, That's where I would buy. Okay, let's go to Steve in New Jersey. Steve.
0: Yeah, hi, Jim. Uh, I'm calling about Applied Materials, eh, Matt?
1: And it's been in the trading range for the longest time, as well as—
0: Right, right. Lamb research. Well, I my mean, am wondering. Applied you know,
1: Materials and Lamb are in the same business. Now, we spoke to Gary Dickerson last week. We spoke to uh, Martin Ansis the week before. Business is great. Mike import a good number, not good enough for some. But I got to tell you, Applied Materials is in the bullpen. Uh, club members know this. Action alerts. We were trying to pull the trigger when it was in the mid-50s. We may do so again, particularly with Dropbox. So over, over subscribe tonight. Let's go to Anthony in California. Anthony. Yeah, hi, Jim. Give me uh, a little heads up on EPR, please. Man, they missed the quarter. And you can't miss the quarter in this environment. And it yields 7.7%. But when you miss the quarter with the Real Estate Investment Trust, it's very hard to find a footing. I need to see another quarter that's better before I recommend it. How about Millie in Jer- New Jersey? Millie! Hi,
0: Booyah! Hi, James. Good to meet you. Talk to you. Hi. Talking about GW Pharmaceuticals. Okay, this is, saying, uh,
1: this is uh, can- 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 cannabinoid. Uh, cannabis is very hot as a concept to invest in. I think the stock's had too big a run. I'm not recommending it anymore. It got up. We liked it a lot lower, and that's how I have to say, Glenn in Ohio, Glenn. Just want to give a big Buckeye Boyah from Grove City, Ohio. All right, we'll take that easily. What's happening? Given the recent easing of Dodd Frank reform law, the Fed is raising interest rates, what should I be doing with the mid cap bank stock, FITB? You can hold that. Fifth FITB, Fifth Third. Fifth Third is a very, very good bank. I don't think rates are going to continue to go down as they did today. I'm not. Uh, I'm not troubled. FITB. I also like h band I think H-Ban's good, and I like First Horizon. That's a three for. Let's go to Hope in New Jersey. Hope.
0: Yeah. Can you explain why this company is on the five billion dollar market cap at these levels? Did it buy or sell? Um. Okay. I
1: I didn't hear which one. What was the name of the stock? L F I N. L-S-I-N.
0: L-S-I-N.
1: I, I know Longfin, the fina- Longfin the financial company, it's up a lot uh, because a lot of people, you know, as rates go higher, it makes more money. I don't want to buy it up here. I'd rather buy a regional bank or a, ma- a major that I that I write about for actual arts. And that, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the Lightning Round.
0: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
1: Maybe I don't have to tell you, but today was brutal for a whole bunch of sectors involving the consumer. It's been a tough run. Now, a month ago, we ran a piece arguing that the retail-oriented real estate investment trusts are incredibly risky not the place to be. With so many retailers going under, some of that's because of the consumer, you have to worry that eventually malls and shopping centers will see their vacancies rise or their rents fall. And that will be real bad for the REITs. However, that story wasn't exactly well received by the industry. One of them, Washington Prime Group, a shopping center REIT, took some exceptions to this, and among many others in the group, frankly, we do not shy away from criticism here on Mad Money. And while I still think the group is too risky, I want you to hear both sides of the story. Hey, there's some good yielders here. And I have a lot of respect for any executive who's willing to come on the show after I said negative things about his stock, including put together a whole briefing book about how I would be thinking about his company. So let's or her company. So let's dig deeper with Luke Conforti, he's the CEO of Washington Prime Group, to get a better read on the situation as it is. Mr. Conforti, welcome to Mad Money. Thank you for coming. Good to see you, sir. Have a seat. All right. So Washington Prime, great properties, but. Just in fairness, Mark Ordan was on when we started, Uh and he was a buddy of mine. He hired me at gold. The stock was in October 1st of 2014. Dow was at uh, 16,800, 42% gain since then. WPG was at 17, and it's down about 63%. So I want to ask, was it wrong at 17, or is it wrong now?
0: It's more wrong now from an asymmetric standpoint. Okay, tell me. And I think ultimately what has happened is, we've been faced with a couple of binary paths. Okay. You're either, you know, even topical, so your physical space or your e-commerce. And we operate under the assumption that only one is going to win, as evidenced by us trading at well, five it's multiple. Binary. It's binary. It's binary. And there's the primary versus secondary marketplaces, which if you're a, not in a primary marketplace, which we did a kind of a nifty white paper kind of disproving some of the you know, some more obtuse observations. But what
1: you're saying is, is that you're an A-quality mall and that you have high, and you, you do not have a lot of vacancies.
0: We are a stalwart secondary marketplace town center company that really, you know, God forbid this industry caters to your darn demographic constituencies, which we got lazy and reactive. We, kind of ubiquitous we, the entire All industry. Right. And here... Unless four out of ten of us here are wearing something junior fashion or accessories, I might be, but other other than that, um, we are way too long certain retail categories, okay. junior fashion accessories. so my word, we have to diversify tenants and that's
1: tell me how you 've done that because I see craft brew, I see some interesting things you guys are doing
0: um, understanding that it's it's kind it's a combination of local, regional, national tenancy that we need to modulate and to diversify mm-hmm. and quite frankly, providing real-time incentives for our leasing professionals to work on that, that diversification. And realistically, if we don't, we're actually doing a disservice not only to our guests, mm-hmm. but to our tenants, uh, who are those tenants that are evolving and kind of embracing this new world order.
1: But, but you, you, your stock yields 15%. That's usually a red flag because most companies cannot afford to pay out that size yield, okay? Why can Washington Prime tell me, look me in the eye and say, hey, listen, we've got coverage. We're going to be able to pay that.
0: I can talk from a historical precedent as well as, you know, obviously we don't speak of dividend policy, but we're at about 79 80% FFO payout ratio. And if you look at, ultimately, you want to take a stream of one through N cash flows and kind of figure out how sacrosanct they are. Right. And over the last three years, it's been pretty, pretty tumultuous over the last three yes. years. I think that our, we've evidenced minimal variance. About, I think it's about 175, 180 basis points. So You're my covered. charter is to provide as stalwart as sacrosanct the stream of cash flows right. and then do cool stuff. That gets a little multiple expansion.
1: Okay, Lou. The last question is: If it's so undervalued, why not one take it public
0: or take it private, or two, get bought
1: by another public company that wants to be able to reduce its costs?
0: My fiduciary is to do. That's a great question. My fiduciary is to do whatever in yours to the benefit of our shareholders. So So we're open at any time. Fair enough. Aggregator or aggregatee. Well put. All right. That's Luke and 40. He's
1: the CEO of Washington Prime Group. He just told you the 15% yield is good. I want you to look at it. You just heard his side stick with Kramer. Thank you. All right, brother. Please remember where the president coming from. He believes that we have been in a trade war with China for years, except for we've never fought back. He campaigned on this issue. A lot of people voted for him because of this issue, so he is doing exactly what he said we could, he would do. Now I have to tell you, I have warned you that this was the biggest risk to the stock market, and it is playing out just like that. But the market's getting oversold; it'll probably be down again tomorrow. But I'm looking for buys, having sold for my travel trust a huge amount of cash for this moment. I like to say there's always a the bull market somewhere. try to fight it just for you, right here, my money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow.